so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Dans le paquet, il n'est pas si bien en jeu face à Joël Bach et ça va être le but de Bruce Wallet. But de Wallet 1-0 pour l'Olympique de Marseille. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Marseille View. Um, I'm Ben, your host tonight, in Steph's absence. Um, which is the whole point was to try and get more regular content out. So you'll have to get used to different hosts. Joining me tonight is Alex. Hi, everyone. Uh, good to have you back. Um, you're, the, you're the historian of the group, so it's going to be quite interesting tonight. Um, as we as we try and do this more regularly for, for listeners, obviously we're lucky because we I, I was there at the game on Friday in the Stade de Rome against Angers, so we can both debrief the game and I can give you a bit of a breakdown of the, the atmosphere and, and the day in Marseille. Um, and, and, all the, and I think the second part, we're, we're going to try and, um, you know, because we don't have much news to really discuss. I think we, we've, I've seen the dynamics firsthand now and, and Alex is, is a long time, um, you know, sort of season ticket holder at the Villa de Rome. We're going to delve into the dynamics of the Stade Villa de Rome and different groups because I saw some pretty interesting things on, on Friday night, and, and Alex obviously has seen a lot more than I have. Um, first of all, let's just dive into the game, really. Um, you know, our last episode, we, we debriefed the, the Montpellier and the Lyon games uh, a bit, bit downbeat. Um, Ed and I were, were flying out to Marseille very early the following morning, so we, we didn't really know quite what to expect. Would we turn it around? Would Sampoli make some changes? Um, I guess first of all, Alex. Before we, we go into the score, let's let's sort of look at the lineup. I, I was very surprised. We, we I hoped for it, but I was very surprised to see quite a lot of changes in the starting eleven. Yeah, I mean it was so different compared compared to what we've seen from Sao Paulo this year. Um, so it was basically a, a four-four-two diamond, and you had um, uh, at six you had Camara, at ten you had Payet, and up front you had the two of Milik and Bakambu. And it's true, I remember when Bakambu signed, you said they, that, that could be an option to have Bakambu and Milik up front together. And I didn't quite believe it because so far, especially this year, the, the, the key thing with Sampaoli, he always wanted some winger to, to stretch the defence. And I thought it's something that, you know, he wouldn't quite change. That, that That's part of the way we, we've played all, all year with, with these kind of wingers. And no, even completely different... Um, uh, with these two up front, um, I think what was interesting as well is uh, we had some some full back on both sides who were attacking. So you had Lirola and uh, Kolasinac, um, which brings something very different compared to Luan Perez, who tends to stay in defence, or Ronger, who tends to go in the midfield. So yeah, the whole dynamic was was very different, and uh, I'm I'm sure it was quite fun to watch uh, when you were at the stadium. <laughs> Well, no, well, even before the stadium, I mean, we'll go into the specifics afterwards of, the, of leading up to the game and the different, you know, people we met and the atmosphere. But just just to see the lineup, to be like, oh, finally he's changed something. You know, we we I think we've all been saying for for, for weeks now that 
yes, we get that you're consistent with your system, but at least sub some people off, give Luan Perez a breather, you know. Um, I think there were, there were a couple of Rongier as well. He's just come back from injuries. He's not been as good as he was in the first half of the season. He's still been good, but True. <laughs> you saw that we, I, I sort of felt, especially against Lyon, and especially with the run of games we now have, which is going to be playing twice a week, you know, you sort of thought, well, you're going to have to change this, this lineup at some point. Um, and he did. Um, and it, it was not only that, but you never know, quite know how to read the lineups when, when they're sort of print, you know, spread out or tweeted out before, an hour before the game. And then to actually get there and, and to, to see when the game kicks off, we're playing a, a very clear 4-4-2. Yeah. It was uh, it was yeah it was quite quite right quite refreshing um, and, and probably very unexpected for Angers as well. Do, do you think that sort of troubled them? Yeah, I think and I think the the key word for me in this game is verticality. So the way we've played before, ball control. You go up the pitch and you try to actually spread the other defense. And, and go out the pitch as possible to really put them under pressure, you know, on, on the, the wide area of the pitch. And this time, instead of going as wide, it was really um, starting the attack way before what we used to do, a lot more direct, a lot more passes, and you had a lot of movement. And I think, I think it's something you've noticed, especially being in the stadium, is the front two of Bakambu and Milik. They have, haven't stopped running um, and created, you know, um, difficulties for for the defense. You have a lot of time. You have kind of Milik coming back as a, as a false nine, and Bakambu going forward for a through ball, and just all this kind of movement, just uh, uh, very very uh, direct, a lot of verticality, and that's where the goal come from. When you see the under under pass to to Milik in the second half, um, even in the first half, you see Genduzi pressing high, and then. Uh, you see a run from Bakunbu stretching the defense and then another run from Milik. He was then on his own to score the first goal and so on. And it's just, just the way the club um, uh, approached that game was just totally different. And, you know, credit to Sampaoli. He shows that he's not stuck in his way. Um, I think he has seen over the last few weeks that we, we just struggled to score, even if we dominate the game. We are over-reliant re- on, on Payet to be on form. And since, you know, the, the Christmas break, he hasn't been as good as he was before. He's still, you know, as, you know creating some assists and, and making a difference, but he's not as um, impactful on the game as he used to be. So we just struggled to score. We're just relying on Under to, to find the net one way or another. And, and now by changing the old setup, changing the attack, playing a lot more direct, something that we, we've all asked for uh, for many months. I remember even from the first game, of, uh, second game of the season when I was at Bordeaux, I was like, that, that's not direct enough for, for my liking. And here it was finally the best way to, to put Milik in the best position when he has some room to do these passes, to do these run, also for Bakambu to maximize his, his, his runs and movements and speed. And yeah, it was just an exciting game. Yeah, I guess it's uh, I, I, the key thing. I mean, verticality, I think, yeah, is the, is the key to, to, to the change in the system. But I think it, it's quite also decisive that we, we, we've struggled, but actually away from home, this, the, you know, the old system has served us quite well. We've looked very solid defensively. We choke opponents from possession. Notably, you know, remember the game against uh, away to Lens, starve them of the ball, 
completely nullified them and, and we, we punished them because we did we were realistic with the, the chances we did create. But at home, we've notably struggled to break teams down and we've just been too one-dimensional. It's been too lazy, too too sort of static in the build-up. Even though there have been improvements in recent games, it's, you know, the same frustrations have been there. And then, yeah, I think you've said it. I think it's the system, but also the profiles of players. And we'll go on to them in a minute. But it just it just enables them to, to play to their strengths a lot more. And it just it just seemed like a better fit for many of the players. So to, before we, we, we go into the, the, the sort of player analysis, I guess it's worth talking about what actually happened in the game. So <laughs> we went 2-0 down to Angers at home. After, after what, 15 minutes? Yeah, after I think it was twelve minutes. Um, but twelve it's like, minutes. You know, we we come back, we're, we're, we come off the back of a, of, a, of an embarrassing, I would say, embarrassing defeat to Lyon, where you know we should have been two 0 up at half time at least. We shit the bed in the second half and lose the game. Um, we're all expecting a reaction, right? And especially us at the stadium. And then you, you fucking get there, and you're two 0 down after twelve minutes, and you're thinking, oh my god, is this the turning point where the wheels come off? And the whole, totally. the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole thing explodes in midair, and and we shit ourselves like we did similarly at, at the sort of same time last year, and thankfully there was a reaction, and and what a reaction! Um, I think from from the stands I saw it, but but also I, I think I would have seen it, and, and I've, I've praised the lad for for months now. But I think Matteo Genduzzi was was the, the dynamo, you know, he he picked everybody totally. up. I remember seeing him pick everybody up after the second goal. He went to Gerson, he went to Saliba, um, and he sort of clapped them on. He was like, lads, step it the fuck up. We're, we're better than this. We can do better. And he sort of, um, I used to say, I think they used to say this a lot in England when when Liverpool playing and struggling, like Steven Gerrard. And, and Gendouzi, for me, put almost a Gerrard performance in. He, he took the game by the scruff of the neck. He took the team. He lifted everybody up. Um, his assist for Minnick's first goal is 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 really 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 good, um, and and yeah, in in the previous tactic and previous games, we very rarely had had situations like that where we, we're we're attacking the defence and we've got them on the back foot because we've recovered the ball pretty high up the pitch, and we're playing very direct. And Genduzi gets the ball back, and within within two two touches, he's given it to Minnick who chips it in. Uh, brings us back to two one. Jason then scores a fantastic goal. I thought it was deflected from the stands, but actually it wasn't. But a great, great left foot shot from, from the edge of the area. Um, it's been ages since we scored from outside the area, so even more happy about that. And then we get reminded into- me the, the goal of Luis Gustavo against PSG a few years but ago. It's the same kind, yeah. That's the lefties, mate. The lefties, we've got it. I'm the I'm lefty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we, we come out for the second half. And it's a bit more static, and, and you sort of worry again. It's like, oh shit, have we missed the boat? Are we gonna are we gonna fall into the classic lull of the second half where Marseille fall asleep and uh, you know like, like I, I, it reminds yeah, me I, of flashbacks of the last game at the Velodrome earlier in the season where we came back to two two before half time and then we lost all the dynamic. And, and I think it's Sampaoli that said to the team to count down a bit. I think it's it's. Is impact in, in in the air because you know the first half was was all crazy and we were still conceding a lot of chances and you know Angers could have scored just before halftime they had a one on one against our keeper and I, I really believe that some probably told them okay guys like we attack we go forwards um, and so on but but we need a tiny bit more control there so that's why the tempo I think slowed down 
but yeah, as you say, then then you have the problem because then the, the the players change their mindset, and then we struggle to create. And it, it's when Under came in, then the the sparkle came, and everything changed. Yeah, it changed, and and I, I remember saying to uh, to Kylian, who was next to me, like literally, like two minutes before we scored the third goal, I turned to him and said, "Mate, this is this has got OM Lance written all over it. We're gonna, <laughs> we've just we're just not sharp enough." We seem to have lost the yards, and we're, we're going to concede a, a, a dodgy third goal, and they're going to defend for their lives for the rest of the game. Um, and lo and behold, two minutes later, Jasson again. Um, very, you know, we played a lot of we played a lot of balls over the top in the second half. We were a lot more direct because we we was we, well, Bakambu was making lots of interesting runs to drag his man wide, mm. which really space for Minik. Times has been he's been he's been. He's been guilty of slowing the game down too much and taking too many touches, and and he was just perfect on Friday. He 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 lifts his head. You see him see Milik's run. He lofts the ball over the defence. Milik gets on the end of it. The keeper flaps a bit. I don't know what the fuck the keeper was doing where he was. <laughs> um, the keeper is is at fault a lot for that goal, and Milik just just heads it home, gets his double. And then after that, under and, and, and Rongier come on, and um, instead of instead of doing what we, we we sometimes usually do, which is sit back, we, we just turn the screw. Um, and, and Under was involved in the next three goals. <laughs> it's just... Um, no, so he was already on the pitch because he he played the pass to Jason. Um, yes. Third goal. But yeah, the, Under comes on and he, he just... He's decisive. Um, and and what, a, what a left foot on him. It was amazing. It was a difference maker. And um, and to come back on the dynamic of the game, I think what you, what you say was very very right in terms of the momentum. I think a lot of the fans, a lot of us thought that this match would be crucial because, well, first we, we've struggled to win from uh, at home for, um, for for quite a while now. I think the last one was like late November or something like that, um, at least in the league. And and we came back from that dreadful performance against Lyon. Uh, as always, Lyon find a way to beat us. And then you start to have the ghost of, you know, the Bielsa years or last year when is you know, that second part of the season, the team slows down because they're tired or the focus is not there or they start to, to have some doubts coming in. And I think all, all of us really were, were, were excited but worried as well about this game. And then you start this game with 2-0 down and you're like, wow, our, our season could completely change here from, you know, nine points, almost 12 points ahead at some point against someone like Lyon, if they would have won that weekend, if we would have lost, they come back at, at three points. And like, it's an all different kind of mindset and momentum for, for still a young team to to manage. So as you said about Genduzi, it's him that changed everything. It was 2-0 down and he, we pressed, he got the ball back, got that first goal and everything changed. As soon as we, we got that first goal, I think everybody thought, we're going to do it. It's it's going to work. And uh, I think for, for our whole season, I, maybe, you know, it's a bit early, but I think this game was a turning point. So amazing for you to have seen that in, you know, in the stadium. I think that, that was great. Um, <laughs> super, super lucky, mate. But yeah. <laughs> uh, we do, I do have to give a shout out to, to Ed. Bless him. Um, you know, you, you've been you've been taunting him about being the, the black cat, you know, the bad omen, <laughs> uh, because he was with you at the Bordeaux game. Uh, and it turns out you're the, you're the bad omen, mate. You're the bad omen, not Ed. Oh. Ed, Ed has now seen a, a, a huge comeback. 
Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was a hell of an experience, I'm sure, for Ed's. Um, and he'll 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 come back on soon to to tell us about it. But I, I can fill in the blanks in the meantime. But yeah, so look, we go free to under Wonder Pass, brilliant vision, plays it in. Minnick Minnick just made the runs, and I think it's you know as a striker, it's one of those things with feeling. And and credit to Minnick, and he said it as well after the game, and even Sampoli said it. He's like, look, we know what he's capable of, but it's good that he was involved in in everything tonight, and he got the goals. Um, but it's you know as as a striker like Minnick when when you've you've sort of hinted and com- complained in a way in a diplomatic way but said look we, we've analysed the fact that I'm only touching two balls every 20 minutes and what, that can't continue that's you know we need to find a way to to make sure that the whole team plays better and we create more and we're more direct and stuff and this this looks like they worked on this and it and you could see the difference you could literally see that his belief after probably the first half when he saw the way we were playing and he saw that Bakambu was really an asset to him because he was freeing up totally. so many and making so much runs. And and this is what, what felt really weird is that a lot of times, I think all, from the stands, we were all shouting, you know, pass it through, play him through, play him through. But then you realise that it's it's some of them are dummy runs, which which you see a lot of in football and fair play that it actually worked out really well for us. But But the fact is for that fourth goal, because Minnick has seen that that team attitude and seen that we, we're now playing those balls into the back of the defence, you know he just he 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 plays it out wide to under actually mm. um, from midfield he gets the ball plays it out wide to under with a sort of half volley pass and then he sort of he looks up and he realises nobody else is making the forward run and then he 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 you see him raise his hands he gets into the box under plays a uh, you know perfect ball and then he just he, he slides it into the net. Um, that for his hat trick, um, couldn't be happier for him. You know, we, we need our number nine scoring. We need our number nine happy and confident. And as much stick as we give about the Grand Attaquant over the recent years and stuff, Milik is, for me, he's he's the best one we've had since Gomis in terms of talent and in terms of um, quality, right? Um, yeah, especially in front of the goal, definitely. And and I liked Benedetto, but but the fact that Milik has gone through this rough patch and hopefully now has come out the other side of it and, and is capable of persisting and, um, and, and you know, keeping keeping the motivation, keeping the hunger. And he's been rewarded for it. It's, it's just a relief. But you, you just, this guy is a goal scorer. He is a number nine. He's got the instinct. He's got a great left foot on him. Um, but he also, he, him and Under, hopefully, seem to now have a really good understanding. And then the fifth goal, what is there to say? You know, it's just a, a Chengiz under masterclass, left foot volley, half volley on the edge of the area, pinpoint into almost the top corner, um, sends us all into raptures. I, I was in Virage North, so I was lucky to be behind the goal for that. <laughs> it, it was just, it, it was just ecstasy. You know, you're just like, wow. Like, not only have yeah. we found a way to win, but we've won convincingly, and we actually look pretty damn good tonight. Um, so we won five two in the end. Yeah, these games, these games are special, and for you to have to have lived in the stadium, it's. Uh, I was there at the OM Montpellier uh, 5-4 from 1998-99, uh, 
Yeah. And look, it's these kind of games that you just remember for forever. You know, the atmosphere that there were like 70,000 people just going completely nuts. It's not something that you see a lot in day-to-day life, right? It's no, just very special. Especially OM, uh, you know, no, no, notorious for, you know, we go 2-0 down at home and that's it. And you suddenly yeah. won and that's it. But, but to put it... The strength of the team, the mental strength. Yeah, it's just it's just really good. Honestly, it was it was a fantastic weekend and a fantastic game and experience and all the people we met. But we'll go into that afterwards, I guess. The, the, the... So just um, I guess just to, to sort of wrap up on on the game analysis, Milik and Ender, do we think that there's a that there's a really good partnership developing there? Well, I, I think that there's few things to keep in mind. First is that Angers didn't park the bus as some other team did, so. You know, because of that, we could exploit the space um, that they left us. And that's how the first game came, uh, first goal came, actually, because this tried to attack and we, we, we pressed, got the ball. There was loads of space. And look, I remember the game against Reims, which I was, uh, you know, about, about a month ago, a couple of months ago, and they just parked the bus and didn't move. So I, I think... To see how we're going to involve as a team, it will be very interesting to see depending on, on the opposition. Like, will we always have that kind of space to be able to, to play direct and play behind the defense, which fits totally Milik? I remember like a couple of pods ago, I said that Milik wasn't fitting our game, the game we were playing at that time, because when he was at uh, Napoli, he used to be that kind of false nine coming there, then passing to a kind of winger or, or, or another attacker. Like uh, like uh, Immobile, for instance, and, and and then run into the box with a lot of momentum, and that's what he's good at. The way we've played before that, we try to put the compact the game into the opposition's box, and that is that is not his game, and he will still struggle if we play like that. Um, so. You need that kind of space. Hopefully, we will have it in other game. Or hopefully, because of all the run that Bakambu is doing, I, I compare him a little bit like a, a Werner from Chelsea, who just non-stop run for others and just create a lot of space, even if he misses a lot in front of the goal. I, I love this kind of player. I think they are key, especially against you know compact defenses. Well, just, and, just, just, while, just while we're comparing, when he when he signs, um, I've probably said this on an episode before. I, I, he reminds me a lot of Modi Da. Um, do you remember when we yeah. signed Malida in, in that January window and um, suddenly Djibril Sissé started scoring a lot more and uh, and it just it just we just seemed to have found the right formula. Hopefully it's yeah. the same. Yeah, and Malida, when you look at him, you think like, okay, he's not a special player, but it's exactly the same. It's a guy that will sprint 20, 30 times a game. And these sprints will create, you know, uh, uh, holes and, and difficulty for the defense. And I think we lacked uh, that type of player in, in our team, especially when Jerson wasn't around because he was for international duty lately. And if Jerson is not around, then you have nobody that really makes these efforts. He's running to the box at the right moment. And, and you know, with the speed of back on boot, and you see the game he had, and I know he missed some, in, you know, kind of in front of the goal, but it's exactly the kind of player that we needed. So I think it would be very interesting to see if we play the same setup, the same, uh, the, the the same lineup against a team that really is packing the bus. Can we still create? Will we still create? Will Miliko still find his way? And you know, if if they can, if that partnership really works. 
And, you know, Bakambu and Milik together in Ligue 1, they could, they could really hurt a lot of people, especially you have a bit less Payet dependent, which I think was a strength when Payet is on form. But we know that Payet is not on form the whole year. He's never been his entire career. So uh, so it's good to have other options. And then, as you say, Undo was just on fire. And, you know, I was a bit worried with, with that new system, with that winger. Like, what are we going to do with Undo? Because he's, you know, our second best player behind Payet so far this year. And then he came in and almost like some kind of half winger, half number 10 and you're doing the, these crosses and, and through balls and work, work like magic. So, yeah, excited to to see how we're going to involve. And, you know, if you look at the team, like, it feels like we we really have a, a, have a three ways we can play, giving a lot of flexibility for the coach. So we have our um, uh, ball control with false nine where we, you know, we just control the pitch in the opposition's half. We have that kind of um, almost park the bus ourselves and counter, which we've done usually away from home when, when we were leading and we've been quite good at it. And now we have that new new lineup, that 4-4-2 diamond with a lot of direct passes, a lot more vertical. And, you know, with these three options and a lot of players who can fit different roles. And I think it's, it's very exciting. And, you know, we all, uh, from crying a few days ago after the Lyon game, now we're all feeling uh, very, uh, very optimistic. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, well, we said it, between ourselves earlier, it's like um, it, it almost feels like this 4-4-2 could be perfect at home. And yes, we're capable of shifting between systems, which is the, the luxury we have. But also, it just it just it just confound confuses and 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 really changes the dynamics of games when we, you know, if if one system isn't working, then then we have a plan B now, which is the relief, I guess, and and it makes totally. sense. And maybe maybe we're going to see this at home, you know, a lot more because Angers didn't park the bus. Yes, but who knows? The, you know, if it would have stayed nil-nil forever, or forever, I exaggerate. But the dynamic of games we've seen at home recently has been: we've struggled to score the first goal, and then the the team sort of either they get an early goal. I think this is. I, I'm not sure, but it's not often that we concede an early goal at home. Um, but that probably changed their, their sort of mindset, where they're a bit more adventurous, especially after the, scoring the second. And they've probably fought, you know, and and logically so they probably thought OM are, are on on the ropes they're there for the taking and that 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 left them exposed and we were we were we were able to to get back into the game at the right time but um but maybe we maybe this tactic is the home tactic at the Villadrome against teams and maybe the the, the sort of control and <coughs> and dominate possession and, and not overexpose ourselves with false nines or, or real nines whatever maybe that tactic is is the right one away from home because it served us very well away from home um, but we'll see. I guess the, the, the sort of last point on the game is um, Bakambu was was one of the the, the the players that started. It's his first start. Um, Kalasinac was another one. It was his first start. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Gerson coming back in. I wouldn't say it's his, but but those were the three sort of key changes in the lineup personnel wise. Um, personally, Kalasinac, you know, I've, I've said that he would probably be a, a sort of solid backup. Um, he he was quite good. I thought he was really solid. Um, even though there are still um, automatism, as we say in French, you know, um, sort of uh, uh, co- cohesiveness that he needs to find on his wing with with the players around him on the left side. I thought he was he was definitely not to blame for any of the goals. First of all, and secondly, 
he was quite decisive um, in, in on the left wing because they, they literally posed no danger from the left wing. Um, Bakambu, as we've said already, was, was really good in freeing up space. Gerson was, I, I, I'd like to think it was probably his best game for OM so far. I mean, um, he started really badly, um, a bit too nonchalant in, in the box when, when, when he tries to sort of run out with it and Fugini gets it off him and scores for the first Angers goal. But after that, he, he equalises, then he gets an assist. Um, and he was he was pulling strings. I thought he was he was really good. Um, he looked a lot more free, and and he's just not as he's probably been guilty before slowing the game down. He I I just thought he he wasn't, and he was a lot more direct. He just okay. looks. I think he every player that when they come from from abroad, even even more so when they come from South America to Europe, there's always an adaptation period, and I think that. You know, bless him in a way because he's been sort of tried out in every every position under the sun in in some systems, um, and gradually he's he seems to have found the rhythm of Ligue 1 first of all, and second of all, he's showing that he's quite um, adaptive. You know, in the in and he is a, he is able to, to 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 sort of contribute. If you look. Just to, to finish on the game, if you look at the stats in our goal scorers, so Milik's got 13 goals, one assists. Payet follows with nine goals and six assists. Um, but you look at, um, at Jackson, he's on four or five goals already and, and four assists. Genduzi's on three goals and six assists. Um, you have Under in front of them, but I'm just trying to highlight the, the, the facts that Remembering years years gone by and the Gassian stuff, we, my, one of my main complaints was our midfielders were not decisive enough. They just weren't, you know, we'd have Sanson running around and not being decisive and not, not doing many stats. And actually this year, we have midfielders that, even though I'm a bit frustrated because sometimes, uh, notably in the last few games, Genduzi has been in good positions to shoot. He hasn't, but maybe that will come with confidence and as he improves as a player. But it's just really good to, to have a... a um, homogeneous um, contribution, you know, fair fair distribution of goals, assists. And as you've said, hopefully over the, the longer term of, of the rest of the season and going into next season, this this reduces our payout dependence. Yeah, no, I think I think that that'll be good because we know he can't he can't really be on top form for an entire season. Um, to co- to come back on a few points here, I think like Kolasinac, I think I think that was quite interesting. Like, I didn't know the player apart from a couple of YouTube videos, and I think he brought something on on that left side which which we didn't have. So obviously we didn't have any winger there um, in the past. You know, of the last few games we had uh, Luis Enrique, but. He, didn't really bring offensively uh, quite a lot, and I thought Kolasinac there as, a, as almost playing like a wing back because he was really high up the pitch. Um, where he did a few crosses and he had a lot of speed, and I think he was bringing something different. and And uh, I, I was well impressed. He was he was fit. He, you know, he could run and. The only thing with with that tactic is basically we're leaving two central defenders on their own because you had both Liola and Kolasinac going way out on the pitch, almost like winger to to stretch that defense. So instead of having wingers like we had the you know pretty much the entire season, it's, it's these guys playing almost wing back. But usually you have these wing back when you're three in defense. <laughs> But he will play wing back with just two in defense of uh, uh, Balerdi and uh, and um, and uh, Saliba. Um, 
you know, I think that was very ballsy, very attacking. And, and, and yeah, very interesting. Also, one of the guys we, we didn't I mention did, is, did, is Ballardi. We'll mention, yeah. just, to, just to finish on Kunasinac, I, I did say this when, when he signed in, in the last few episodes. He, he, he won't be a standout performer, but he, as you've said, he's fit enough to run up and down that wing for 90 minutes, which yes. means that he will always track back. <coughs> he will always, he's got that physicality to... Um, yeah, he's capable of, of contributing, but Balerdi, go on. Yeah, exactly. Balerdi is the last one, the last change that we haven't discussed. Go for it. Yeah, Balerdi is, is a player that I really like because I think, you know, with the ball as a central defender, I just think he's amazing in his passing, in the way he sees the game. <clears throat> and I think one of the things against, um, uh, the thing we didn't do well against Lyon in the second half is Lyon started to press our four defenders with, with four guys. And we struggled to find opening because, you know, to some extent, I think maybe someone yeah, like uh, we struggled to um they 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 counted up as one of our strengths in recent games, which has been building from the back. And yeah, as you say, that's that's where we struggled. Exactly, and and our team, as somebody said many times, what we're good at is to have the ball. We're not really good at defending. We're good at defending with the ball. So basically, by having the ball, um, we, you know, you don't concede if you have the ball. And all, all the, the key point, and that's why in every pod I, I talked about build-up. The key point is how you build up, and are you uh, stopped in your build-up, or is it flowing? And again, slow in the second half, they really press us man to man, and they took uh, you know a lot of risk because then. In the back, they they put they, they were also man to man with our three attackers. They took a lot of risk and pressed as well. And I think that our defenders struggled in in the build up. And here it was interesting to see this, the game just after Lyon, where we struggled in the build up. They brought Ballardi in, and I think Ballardi is our best defender in the build up. I think he's, he's really good at passing. He's very good at carrying the ball. Um, usually makes that big mistakes every game, but he didn't this time. And I thought he was bringing something different. And look, maybe maybe, maybe a question for Chaletta Star. Look, uh, has been really good, especially, you know, very uh, dependable uh, defensively. He's been, he's been really good, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess it's, when, when to conclude on Bellardi, it's quite interesting because actually, look, and yeah, he hasn't played for ages and suddenly he comes back in, he performs well. We'll yeah. see if he gets consistent game time. But, but more and more as the season goes on, <coughs> sorry, we've got to look at the facts and the facts are Saliba's on loan. Will we keep him next year? Hopefully, but probably not. Likely um, not, yeah. start, Even though, you know, it's sort of the torn between a rock and a hard place because... He's going to go. You, you, you have to play him to put him in the shop window and hope that other clubs notice his performances and that he he stays uh, in, in the national team as well. But at the same time... You know, you, Alvaro is probably going to go this summer. They'll probably find a way to terminate his contract or, or whatever will happen. But effectively, Bellardi is the only long-term so- pe- player that we're, we're going to have in that defence that's going to stay. <laughs> like, he needs game time. He needs he needs to grow in confidence and stuff. But but I I do, you know, I do agree with maybe maybe he, he, somebody sort of cocooned him a bit. Maybe they gave him some individual coaching as well. Um, You'd like to think that happens in a professional club, but at OM, you'd be surprised sometimes with what we've seen in recent years. True. The fact is, he is, he is, you know, he is sort of um, 
uh, labelled as a, a, a defender for the next two, three seasons. Who's the one who's young and who's signed a long-term contract? And we spent a bit of money on him, and he's he's going to be an Argent Argentina international pretty regularly, hopefully going forward. And that means that he needs. We, we, we're going to reach a dilemma, maybe, where where you know what do we do? But it's a good, it's a it's a luxury when you have four top players performing well in that defence, where it is our strong point this season, and and. If everybody's playing well, then then it's a good problem to have, right? But no, totally. It, 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 it creates different dynamics. Where do we need to play Chetatsa more to to sell him? Do we need to play Balardi more to make sure that he goes into next season really confident? We'll see. It's gonna be interesting. No, no, and I think you you even wonder the question now after this game where a lot of players came in and and delivered basically, and maybe the most exciting game of the year. Um, it just opened up the whole, the whole squad. Now, finally, with that, which I think was, again, an amazing uh, transfer window for uh, our president, uh, Pablo Longoria, exactly the types of player that we needed, one that can go on the left side and, and still you know, be dependable in defense with Kolasinac, and one in the front who can do all these runs to help the team with Bakambu. And I think that now you really feel that we, are, we have a, a deep squad we have a lot of options tactically, and he feels that we are we are ready. We are ready for you know this end of the season. Push on, hopefully go far in the French Cup, key game this week. And and if we win at Nice, I think you know it, we have a, a a fairly high chance to to go all the way. Um, we have everything in our hand after Nice lost this weekend to to finish top three as well. I know there's still a lot of games and, you know, we should be a bit careful, but we have a deep squad. We have a lot of options. We have a team that is came back almost from, not quite from the dead, but from a very difficult situation in, in the last game. That has all the momentum. It, it, it's exciting. Um, we feel, um, I think all the fans will be very, very pumped up after after last weekend. Yeah, we, we, well, basically we're approaching the most decisive three weeks of the season um, because... Yes, Nice away, no no Marseille fans in, in Nice. Uh, they probably would I mean there's no Marseille fans because we we cracked flares away to that 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 team um Canet when we played them in the in, in the first <laughs> but basically we, we fans we our fans are banned in the French Cup for, for lighting flares, but we all know that the fucking préfet would have banned our fans from going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, it's good. It, basically yeah, that's a big decisive game. Win that game, PSG are out. You sort of look at it and go, Monaco's the only big team left in the French Cup. Um, you sort of go right. We, we have a red carpet to the final, hopefully, Touchwood. But also next week we 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 play Carabag in the first round of the Conference League, so the first uh, knockout round. And you know that the, the next three weeks shape our season. We could we could stay in all competitions and have an exciting you know, month of March and April to look forward to, or we could easily lose to Nice and then shit ourselves against Carabag as well. So who knows? <laughs> Everything is decided in the next three weeks. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that Nice game is, is key. Not, not, yeah, not, not, not in terms of if we lose, because if we lose, okay, we're still good in you know uh, the league and i think in in terms of the, the europa conference when, when you see the the opponent i still think we're going to go through hopefully one or two rounds at least but if we win at nice and and the whole team knows that you know we're so close to a final 
<laughs> which we could almost say at home because any other team we will play in the final, <laughs> the stadium will be ours. Uh, the Stade de France will be 90% Marseille. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're banned from going though, mate, because you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're the curse. I've seen a lot of uh, losses in the <laughs> final, but I saw I saw a few wins as well. So you know you could balance things out. But um, I, I remember clearly on on the year where we won the, the title with Deschamps, is that that win at Toulouse. I think it was in extra time, two goal from Brandao, and it was a patch where we really struggle. And it was a semi final, but winning that semi final, knowing that we would go to the final, just dynamized the whole team. Every every player, you know, in the training ground wanted to really be part of it and play and the whole team changed his mindset they thought we're yeah, going to do it this it's, year it's like, it was different because it was the Coupe de la Ligue which the final was played much earlier as well isn't it than the yes. final and it was yeah I, I agree with you it was it was one of the most important games because you get to the final against Bordeaux who, who've, who've beaten us to the title with Gerets the two previous years not by match and, and we smashed them in the final we literally tear them apart win 3-1 convincingly like bully them into submission and, and that that sort of felt like the, the you know the sort of passage of power um totally. to OM and, and as you say it spurred us on to, to to beat them to the league for the rest of the season and um, and, and, yeah. and, I, and I was in the stadium and he was nuts for 25 minutes with the old fans non-stop you know <laughs> jumping for 25 minutes it was huge but I think that Nice if we win at Nice on Wednesday I think it could have the same effect I think the old squad will know, will feel that we are so close to winning a trophy, which is something we haven't done for about 10 years. And, and I, I think pretty much only good things can come from this game. I'm, I'm feeling um, quite excited, looking forward to see it. Well, we're, we're away from home, so I'm, I'm more optimistic than if we were home. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that sort of wraps it up for the, for the, for the game and, and the next few games, I guess. As we sort of teased at the beginning, so let's let's discuss the the, the, the ultras dynamics, right? So to, to give you guys a bit of feedback and, and and feedback from the ground and feedback from being in Marseille, and it's just such a cool dynamic. I mean, we got there with Ed Friday lunchtime, um, had some lunch, met up with with our friends. So um, I, as as we have an international uh, nation program going on, and, and I, I'm lucky that I ran the one in London, but that means that we're in touch with all the guys from around the world. So I put a message out a few days before. So we had a guy from OM uh, OM uh, Beirut join us, who was in Marseille for the game. We had uh, Greg Mosby, who uh, shouts out to our friends. He he used to be Marseille Lausanne, and then he moved to the east of France, but he was in town. So we all met up Friday evening. <coughs> Um, we went to the Rue d'Andoum to, to near the, the Dodgers um, uh, sort of head office thing where we we were lucky to get some some um, tickets from the Dodgers to go into the Virage Nord. Um, and it, yeah, everybody was really welcoming. You know what? It's, I, I'm sure many of you that listen, hopefully you've been. But for those that haven't been, don't be worried if you're if you're foreign and you do don't speak a lot of French. You know, don't be don't hesitate to get in touch with, with one of us if. <clears throat> If you do travel to Marseille, and we can we can refer you to people and help you, but it's just so welcoming, you know, that people see you in OM colours, um, and and hopefully Ed Ed felt this way, but I'm sure he did. But it was just everybody was so friendly, and and when he explains, guys, I don't speak a word of French, I'm English, and I support OM, but it's even more, but you know, it's even more valuable to them. They like fuck me, like this guy. He's he was not French and and he supports our team but but wow what a hero you know so that was much of yeah. the 
the conversations we had. So we get the tickets. We went to one to, big family, one big family. Exactly. That's the spirit. Exactly, and it's quite unique. Um, so we, we went to to meet a couple more friends at Hompon du Prado, then we walked to, to the game, and um, yeah, it's just it, it was just. I mean, we walked in, and, and the friend we met up with was uh, was uh, one of the members of the Fanatics. So we, we ended up in Virage Nord, but we instead of going to the Dodgers where our tickets were, <laughs> we went in the Fanatics, um, and we literally we get in the stadium probably ten minutes before kickoff, and it's just it's madness, guys. I mean. If you if you want to experience it, um, I, I, it was my first time in the Virage. So I've been to Ghana, I've been to Jean Bois, and I hadn't been to Vélodrome to see Marseille since 2012. I've been to England, Russia, the Euros in 2016. So I, I had an, an, an idea from seeing an England game there where I was with England fans and, and hearing how loud it was with the roof and stuff, the, the, you know, the sort of closed stadium compared to how it was open. Um, and I, I can tell you, I came out of there deaf. Um, I didn't, well, I didn't get my voice back until Sunday, first of all, but my ears were ringing <laughs> until Saturday evening. And it, it's, it's a unique thing. You know, we, we went into the phonetics. They, they sort of old school. So they, we get in there, it's madness. Um, I take Ed and, and Cyril, who's one of the guys from, from Marseille, London, who was there with us as well. So we sort of I sort of put them in, in, in a bit of a corner so that it's not too... They're in the madness, but they're underneath it rather than being in the middle of the, of the pack and, and, and the, the, the pogo, as we say, you know, the jumping around shoulder to shoulder and stuff. And I go back in there and um, it was it's just a unique experience. I mean, you're sort of there. Um, you're singing. You can't hear yourself. You can hear, you, but you're part of a collective, you know, and um, I guess it's, you know, we, we go, as, as we said, the game, we go 2-0 down and I'm thinking, fuck me, like, shit could not be worse you know <laughs> and we keep, we keep pushing and um and the, and the chants go off from the dodgers and the fanatics wake up a bit and the virage not the virage shoot fair play to them they didn't they did not go quiet but it's um it, it just it, it it's a different way of watching the game because you're you're you know, you, you can watch the game as a spectator if you're going Ghana and John Boy, even if you're, you're a bit excited and, and you get a bit bit antsy and you sing and stuff, and that's good. But actually living it from, from the lungs of the stadium, as we call them, you know, the virage or the lungs of the stadium. And it, it, as stupid as it may sound to, to people listening, I felt like I contributed to, to the comeback and the win because... You're in there with with the people that, that that don't give up. We just don't give up as Marseille anyway. But the the ultras, you know, the the, the whether it's the, the Dodgers or the the CU or or the Dodgers and and, and sorry the um, the um, uh, the fanatic. But but it's just we sing whatever happens. We just push the team. We do our job, and it's down to the players. Hope that they do theirs, right? And it's it was unique, guys. I I just can't highlight how how good of an experience it was how nice everybody was um there were even people teaching teaching ed and i that well, i knew the lyrics to most of the songs but they were they were explaining to us that this is this is what we're singing so that we could feel involved and feel a part of it and it, it's just it that's marseille that's what that's what they want they, they if you go in the virage do not go out go there to take your phone out and take videos that's not how it works you, if you make the conscious decision of going in there, you can take videos at the end or videos at the beginning. But when the game kicks off, you're one of you're one of the wall. You know, you're one of the army, and you're expected to 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 act like they do, and they embrace that and they they welcome you with with open arms. 
and they they just want you to to be one of them. So that was a great experience. Sums it all up. Um, we left the game. Obviously, we, we saw great comeback win, and it was just even better because it's you know we were very lucky, I guess. But also the next you know after the game that we, we went out with with a few of the boys go back to to the bar snacks around the stadium and stuff. You have more drinks. Everybody, I, I I can honestly say I did not meet a single bad person. You know, it's just it, it's Marseille has always been like that, whether it's football or or I think generally if, as a tourist it's different to Paris anyway. Um, but it, it's just this is what makes OM, and I, I I will never forget that experience, and I can't wait to go back. <clears throat> but to that's that's the breakdown of our experience with Ed from from being in there with Cyril as well and Kylian, but. I guess to move on to the topic, um, it was also interesting. So a few times when you're, so you're in the Virage Nord and there's the Virage Opposite and you know, we see this on TV guys, you see the Ozam and stuff. Well, it was interesting because I'm there and the Virage Sud tried to, to start the Ozam a few times and only once did the Virage Nord respond. And it's actually interesting, these little rivalries where I asked I ask Kylian, who's a regular, and I'm like, Kylian, why are we not responding? You know, and he's like, because we start the Ozam, you know? And it's these little, these little, I wouldn't say conflicts, but you know, these little sort of um, entitlement and this little, these little dynamics that they have, where I think every group thinks that they're the best, and and that's great because it contributes to the atmosphere and they're loud, and we, we create a, a hell of an atmosphere. But it, I, I just, I, yeah, the overall feeling I have is that it could be more united, and maybe even though it's loud and we sing and there are different chants going on at, at different moments from different groups and, and they do try to align themselves as much as they can, I think that it could be improved. And I think that with better communication and collaboration between the groups, we could create a, an even more uh, sort of, you know, threatening atmosphere. But I guess over to you, Alex, because you've you've been going longer than I have and you've, you've been going Virashud as well. And um, I mean... For me to say that in 2022 is probably no news to you because it's always been like that. But it it just it yeah, I, I just get a feeling that, that there are rivalries and it's quite interesting. Yeah, look, I've I've been uh, I've been a season ticket holder in the Virage Sud since mm, 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 when we came back from Ligue 2. Uh, maybe the year after must be now 97, 98 kind of kind of time, and I I was season ticket holder for like 10, 12 years. Um, and look, it was uh, it, it was amazing, as you say. It's just something totally different. The whole atmosphere, the whole vibe. As you say, you really feel that you you're impacting the game, and uh, and 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 you know you come out of, of these these games, and it's like I had a, a total workout. So, so much jumping and singing and shouting, and I just used to come home. And I just couldn't sleep, so usually I, re- I would rewatch the game again. So that's why I remember a lot of uh, a lot of the a lot of things from from that time. I remember a lot of these games because it's just so special in that stadium to be in the Virage. Um, and and there's some games like that, that I remember forever. You know, when when we beat PSG with uh, Loic Sanahede, or when we beat Lyon in the Coupe de France with the two goals in the last uh, the last few minutes and so on. And I, I remember the, the this game and the intensity in the Virage so much that it's you know it's something you just never forget. 
So yeah, anybody who wants to go to the stadium and wants to go to the Virage, please do contact us. I'm sure we will be able to help. Uh, but in terms of the rivalry of the group, yeah, but that's Marseille. Marseille has never been, not just in football, but in everything, has never been a city that just decide to go one way as a plan and go that way. Now in Marseille, you have a lot of different culture, a lot of different views, a lot of different little egos and rivalries. And, and you see exactly the same in the stadium. So each group does give 100%, but each one has its own little story, own way of doing things, sometimes even their own songs. And, and just, it's you know, like in England just, where you see... So just just yeah. to in, just to, just to, to to add to what you're saying, um, from what I saw, because I did go and have a quick quick five minutes with the Dodgers as well at the start of the second half, just to, to see what it was like on on the left side of the the Viage. No, and um, certainly the fanatic, it, it, it's interesting because they 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 sort of position themselves the most hard well hardcore, the most sort of invested and and when i say that it's literally you can't get your phone out and they will literally either knock your arm or they will take you to a side and say look we don't get our phones out here we sing fair enough right but but yeah, yeah. just just to, to wrap up on what you're saying i mean the, the the age the age average age i would say was probably between 20 and 26 in the, in the phonetic which i thought was really cool mm-hmm. that interestingly you would expect that maybe from the older fans, the older generations, to be like no ultra culture, no phones. But actually, it's the, it's the younger fans. So maybe that's something that that is is well, I think it's really cool that the the new ones are not more invested, but they they have this this culture of we're ultras before we're we're, we're spectators. Um, but yeah, it just felt like the Dodgers certainly that the, the the age average was probably more thirty to forty. Older. Yes. No, no, but it's exactly that. So you see in the Vietnam, for instance, you have different group and some have a very, uh, what's the word, politicized, you know, have a very strong political, usually, you know, far left view. So that would be the, the MTP. Then you have the fanatic would be younger, purist, ultra, just singing and nonstop singing, whatever happens, which is not what the other group does because sometimes when when you know the team plays shit the, the, the some of the fan group just turn against our players but not the fanatics they just keep on supporting the team come what may the dodgers would be a little bit older then on the other side you have the the winners which is you know the the more uh, f- uh far left as well kind of kind of club also you know very prestigious in terms of, of group and the Ultra in the south, you know, they, they all have different different mindset, different songs, and so on. So when you compare to an Old Trafford or a, or a Liverpool Stadium, when everybody sings the same song at the same time, it doesn't happen often. No, but you can't. You can't yeah, it doesn't. Compare, though, you know, I, I get what you're saying. But, uh, I guess it, the thing is though is that the, the ultras culture only exists in five six clubs in Europe, right? It's a dying breed, um, <laughs> and some clubs probably like Milan have sections of stadiums, right? But but in England it doesn't exist anymore because they they got they, well they, it's not that they got rid of it, but it never existed anyway because what they called ultras cultures was fucking hooligans fighting and stabbing each other. But totally, never have this this mindset in England of. Um, yes, you have chance and stuff, and and I think you 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 see the away games, even Arsenal, the away support for Arsenal is pretty damn good, you know, fair play to them. And mm. but but at home, 
you know, it's at home is is what where you see the difference between an Anfield Road, an Old Trafford, uh, a Bernabeu, uh, a, a Juventus Stadium, and, and Marseille. You know, it's it's no, it's, it's a community. The stadium is the community. The, the stadium and the, and the team is the lifeblood of the city. Um, is in Liverpool, it's the same, but it's it's just a different approach to to, to the supporterism, you know, to the way we support our teams. Totally. And, I think in Marseille it's because it's it, it, it's you know the stadium is is somewhere you go to um to, to to you know to sort of get everything off your chest. You may have had the shit week of work, but everything disappears in the space of that two hours you're in the ground, right? And it, it's you, you go mental. You're, you're there to you know the, the culture is you drink, you go there, or you, or even if you don't drink, you expect it to just. Um, expend all your energy, all your frustration, um, and, and support the team. And I, I, we have the songs, we have the the, the sort of the, the, the noise that we make. I hear you, and and I, I, I agree that it is. And and you know what? It does add to the fact that there are different songs because all that matters at the end of the day, right, is that it's noisy and it's pressure for the the opposition. But it, it's not as united as it could be. Is my takeaway. No, no, and, and in, in a way, that's, that's my point. So in England, you'll see they'll have three songs a game where the whole stadium sing, and it's, it's, it's amazing. But in Marseille, it's different because we, we sing the entire game, but not a lot of time it would be the same song. So you'll have the Ozam, you know, once in a while. Uh, but these guys just do not stop singing, but they all have their own songs. And it's just the way it is, and... I, I I don't think it will ever change. So it could be better, yes, if there were a few more songs that we're all doing together. But look, already when it's Ozam, it's just you know raise your 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 hair from your back and everything you know just kicks off really. But yeah, sometimes they will start Ozam and the other side will not respond. It's it's just part of Marseille. Nothing is always very structured, but things happen one way or another. Yeah, I mean, it, it was still, you know, I would put the atmosphere at an 8 out of 10. Um, and, and look, I went against Angers. Maybe if I went against a PSG or a big European game, it would be different. I've been, yeah. I've been to those in the past, um, but never in the Virage. You know, that, that's what that's why I can't really compare. Um, but it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get the identity thing. Um, I just think that... Well, it's very, it's just very hard to put in place, first of all. But it's just like, yeah, there, there, there are small ways. Maybe if the groups collaborated a bit better, got together before the games, and you can't, you can't, you know, you can't. It's not like you can write a set list and say minute X, we're going to do this song or whatever, because it, it, it depends <laughs> what's going on in the game, and you react. And you're always reacting, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was quite special. I, I know the song, but but you know, to 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 actually be in the Virage de Paix and to, to, to you know, the, to sing the, the Virage de Paix song, it's like, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the wall, I'm a part of the Virage It's very much like that, but um, I, I guess, you know, we were saying earlier, just to, just to wrap up on this, you, you said, and I, I know this from, from reading about it, but maybe you've experienced it, there used to be bigger rivalries and, there was sometimes hatred and the groups would fight and stuff back in back in the, the yeah 90s. there's been some fights yeah 
Yeah, yeah, there's been some fights in the past. Um, I remember some tension between the South Winner and the Ultra and the Virashud and it's it's just what it is. Yeah, yeah it, it, there's a lot of passion. They have a lot of different, you know, mindset and way to to I mean, their passion. That, and, that, yeah, having said that, that, there are these rivalries. When the game ends and and you've won, you know, everybody. It doesn't fucking matter where which virage you were, where you were sat, Gane, whatever. If you're out drinking, celebrating the win, everybody will chat to you, and everybody's debriefing the game as we're doing as we do on this podcast. It's just, it's just Marseille. It's, it's a city that lives and breathes football. Um, I guess that the final observation, and and it's not criticism against them, but um, it, yeah, it just felt really weird. You know, you, I, I could see obviously the virage shoot and and the whole virage. You know, the bottom half have got their scarves up, maybe singing different from the top half, but it it does look a more united virage than than the virage nord and and because they they got rid of the yankees and the the, the club amid l'om are in the bottom half um of of the virage nord i i, I don't want to insult any of them but at the same time like they they just wouldn't join in it was like guys we're fucking you know we've come back to 2-1 let's push we're starting the chance we're getting really loud and they're just turning around taking pictures and and Probably ten of them out of a thousand are singing and, and joining in. It's like it feels like a waste of space having them there. It's like put them in Ganem then, you know, and, and and maybe start a new group or or or, or spread out. Um, get some of the old Yankees members back in and, and start a new group and you name fuck knows how they do it. But yeah, <laughs> it, it is disappointing. You're like shit. This is supposed to be one of our strengths, the virage and. We, we 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 yeah generally those guys are just are just a waste of space in the virage because they they're not joining in it's sad yeah and i remember the time where the, you know where you had the yankees in the big games so you had the two virage totally packed and you know all singing and yeah it's, it's different since the yankees yankees are gone but it's because you know uh i guess sometimes they um well they 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 kind of try to make money out of tickets and I think they're pissed off the club and look, there's a reason for that. Let's hope at some point that the club look into that a bit, bit more in detail and finds a way. But, but then I, you know, as I say, some of the group have been asked if they wanted to move there, for instance, the Dodgers, if I remember correctly, and the Dodgers are used to be where they are now and they don't want to move. So you have this kind of mindset from, from this club. It's all about, you know, the, the way you do it, the, you, your ways, you, what you're used to, and a lot of them don't like change. So, yeah, we, we need some some youngsters who are ready to create a new group. So um, let's see. Let's see. Hopefully the, the club and the group will, will find a way at some point. But in any case, uh, to conclude, we'll wrap up on this, but, yeah, to conclude, if, if you are an OM fan and, and you're more than a fan, you consider yourself like a bit of a... a, a <laughs> An, an ultra, like like I thought I knew what it meant, but I, I now know, having been there, and I'm like, okay, I really enjoyed it, and I know the songs and stuff, so I'm, I'm, I felt legitimate, but I, I would admit feeling a bit out of place because you see it, you you see the madness on TV when you watch games and stuff, but to actually be in there and realise, as you said, Alex, it's like a fucking workout dripping with sweat on the way out. You feel, I, I probably lost two, three kilos in the game. <laughs> it's, it's never ending. And if you if you want to go in there, you have to be prepared to commit to to being one of them and, and living the game like they do. If not, not only will you not enjoy it, because it, it, 
it is a bit claustrophobic and it's a bit, you know, it's not rough, but, but there's jumping around and you, you often end up three rows below where you were because you, you get carried down and stuff. But it, it's totally worth it if you identify with that that way of supporting OM. And quite honestly, that's what made that's what makes our club unique is th those ultras. So shout out to all of them if any of them do listen to us. And look, yeah, anytime any of them come to, to the UK, we'll welcome them with open arms. We're one big family, as we've said, but I can't wait till I, I go back the next time. Um, Let's wrap it up there. I think, you know, so there's only so much bullshit two of us can can speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a great time. We're, we're on a good dynamic. Um, I don't think we'll get one out after the Nice game, but definitely after the Mets game on Sunday, because we're playing again in the league. So we'll probably try and record again on Monday or Tuesday next week. Um, as always, thanks, Alex, for joining. And thanks to everybody who's listening. And hopefully you enjoy this, this more frequent format. Although not with the star host that Stefan is. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye.